The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week for episode 127. I am feeling good, but I am also feeling exhausted. Man, I am running on fumes at this point, listeners. And the reason why is because I've spent the last few days in for work in Boston. So I've been traveling a lot and traveling always takes it out of me. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but whenever I have to travel for a few days and I'm in a new city and I'm in an unfamiliar place and I'm working all day and I'm on a plane, by the time I get home, I just don't have the energy for anything. And that's kind of where I am now, man. I am exhausted after my trip to Boston. I'll talk to you guys a little bit about why I was in Boston a little later in this show. It's kind of cool, kind of fun, kind of interesting. I think you guys might like to hear about it. If you're the sort of people that enjoy hearing just stories from my life, you like to know what your favorite music business podcast host is up to when he's not hosting this show, you might appreciate the story of why I was in Boston. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, I'm going to tell you guys about our guest this week. So happy to have on again an old friend of the podcast, Bree Noble, is going to be joining us. Bree is a music business coach. She is the creator of Women of Substance Radio, the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, and the Female Musician Academy. She she does so much every day, man. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she does all these different things that she's got in her schedule, but she's one of the best when it comes to giving great advice about the music industry. She's a great musician in her own right. She's a fantastic mentor, and I'm going to have her on because she's got a great thing going on for you listeners that you're going to want to check out. From May 1st to 10th, Bree is going to be hosting the online Profitable Musician Summit. You can find out more information about it at ProfitableMusicianSummit.com. And we're going to have her on to talk about that and get some other advice from her because she is just a font of knowledge. But there are a lot of things I really love about this summit that she's putting together. First, it's online, so you don't have to travel anywhere to go to it and get some great advice. So that's always a big win. Second, it's got a lot of great music business people that are contributing to this particular summit, including a lot of great former guests on our podcast. Bree is one of the speakers, of course, but you also have a friend of the podcast, R.A.L. Hyatt, PR agent extraordinaire, D. Grant Smith, who's been on the podcast before, great music business advice guy, great radio guy. He's awesome. And of course, another friend of the podcast, Cassandra Kubinski, an amazing musician, great top liner, gets a lot of her music licensed in films and TV shows and things like that. She's also a great actress. All those people are going to be giving advice at the Profitable Musician Summit, so you're going to want to check that out. And here's probably the best thing about this summit she's putting on from May 1st to 10th. You can check it out at ProfitableMusicianSummit.com. First, we said it's online, so it's easy to get to. Second, a lot of great names involved. Third, it's free. You heard me right, a a summit for you indie artists to help you move your careers forward to find all the revenue streams that are available to you and it is free all of the content from the summit will be available for free for a limited limited time and Bree's going to be coming in in the next segment to talk about how that's going to work so for some people it's free 
Um, but you have to do things a certain way. But she's going to talk in the next segment and during the interview about how you can make it free for yourself. And what a cool opportunity. Anytime Bree Noble is dispensing advice, you want to listen. She knows her stuff, people. Um, if you want to just, and after you listen to that interview, if you want to hear more from her, you can go back to episode 82 of the podcast where she gave some great advice. In fact, I'll say this about Bree. As you know, if you're a fan of this podcast, if you've been listening to us for a long time, you know that I ask the same question to every guest at the end of every interview, which is, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? I put that question at the end for every guest as sort of of a nice catch-all that gives every guest one last opportunity to shed some wisdom for you guys and... Of all the guests I've had on that have given great answers to that question, Bree Noble's answer is perhaps one of my favorites because she gives 30 seconds of advice answering that question. And those it might be the, the best 30 seconds of advice ever given on this show because it's 30 seconds that really embody everything that this show represents. So I'm going to play for it for you right now. This is Bree Noble on episode 82 answering the question that I ask every person at the end. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? I think you just need to not wait around for someone else to give you permission to have a music career. That was what got me stuck for so long. I thought that I needed to have, you know, this decision maker say to me, okay, you're ready or okay, I'm going to give you this in. Like, don't wait for that. You could be waiting forever. You can go out and start a music career tomorrow. Tell me that does not embody everything that this podcast represents. If anything, this show is all about starting now, taking full control of your career, not waiting for somebody to give you an opportunity. You go out and get that opportunity. And Bree Noble just hit the nail right on the head. So much great tough, smart advice comes from her. So I'm excited to have her on in the next segment to give you more great advice just like that. And if you listen to what she has to say and you want to hear even more from there, check out the Profitable Musician Summit from May May 1st to 10th. But before we bring her in, uh, I want to talk about some interesting news this week. A interesting report came out uh, earlier last week on April 19th from Media Research, which provided some interesting statistics on global recorded music revenue in 2017. As you guys know, whenever these reports come out that give you sort of the state of the music industry, the state of how the money is working in the music industry, I always want to share that stuff with you because you guys are entrepreneurs. And as a person who is trying to keep you entrepreneurs informed, you got to know the state of your industry. You got to know how business is going overall. And so when these reports come in, you best believe I'm going to share them with you. And this is a pretty cool report, and it spawns a pretty interesting conversation about the role of indie artists like you in the music industry and the future of indie music and unsigned artist music in the industry. And So there's a lot to talk about in this report. So let's start with just sort of the global points, the big, big points. Um, Mostly positive news, mostly great news. So here's some basic stats from the report. Recorded music revenue from 2016 to 2017 went up 8.5%. That's huge. That's a big, big jump. And you're seeing that same kind of year-to-year growth 
Um, every year for the last few years, you're seeing a lot of steady growth in the music industry, almost double-digit growth. That's fantastic. And you know, maybe you youngins are almost taking this for granted, but take it from us older folks. You know, I'm I'm a little bit. I'm 32, so I f- not so fondly remember what it was like in the early 2000s when you were seeing huge precipitous declines in recorded music revenue where from 2000 to 2010 you saw a 50% freefall in recorded music revenues where everybody thought the music industry was going to die and so seeing this kind of nice steady year-to-year growth in the music industry particularly in the area of recorded music revenues is fantastic news it makes me feel very good for you artists and the industry that you're in that's great That's the good news. Here's the even better news, because what I gave you was the percentage for recorded music revenue in the industry as a whole. But when you take, when you isolate just the revenue produced by you unsigned artists, you indie artists, you artists who are taking full control of your career, who are your own bosses, you guys are getting some really great news because from 2016 to 2017, unsigned artist recordings revenue grew, drumroll please, 27.2%. Boom, mic drop. That's that's more than three times the growth rate of recorded music revenue as a whole. So you guys are growing faster than the major labels. You guys are growing faster than the indie labels. You all are growing. You should be really happy about this. This is good news. This is showing that your sector, the music industry, has staying power. It has a high ceiling. There's a big, big, big future here. Or is there? Because... There are some who have interpreted this data in a little less rosy of a fashion than I am just now, and I'm going to give you their their side of the story, because you deserve to hear the full view of things, but let me tell you what other folks are saying from this data. Some are saying that the data is not painting as good of a picture for unsigned artists as it is saying for artists who are signed to a label, whether it's an indie label or a major label. Digital Music News, when they reported about this study remarked that even though unsigned artist revenue grew almost 30% from 2016 to 2017, unsigned artists' revenue only make up about 2.7% of global record sales. So the rest of the recorded revenue, record revenue is being produced by labels, major labels and indie labels. Uh, unsigned artists are only getting about 3% of global record sales. And that data has made media ana- analyst, the guy who wrote this article, Mark Mulligan, contending, he says that they're based on this 2.7% point, there doesn't, a, quote, there doesn't appear to be a reason for indie artists to remain without a label, at least not economically. After all, not everyone can be Chance the Rapper. So the argument he seems to be making here, as, as best I can understand, is that because unsigned artists only make up 3% of record revenue, that artists are better off with record labels because you instead they can be a part of the group that's getting 97% of the revenue. So why be on team 3% of the revenue when you could be on team 97% of the revenue? You can be getting more revenue that way. So based on that argument, should should un, should you unsigned artists out there stop trying to find success on your own? Should you immediately rush into the arms of the first label you can find? Save me, record label. Let me taste of that 97% recording revenue chalice. And the answer to that is no. You should not do that. 
Because that argument that they are making, pardon my French, is a bull bleep argument. It is a statistical sleight of hand. It is mathematical nonsense. Because, well, first of all, the argument that they're making there is presenting itself as a false choice. They're saying, why you can either stay with the group that's only getting 3% of the record revenue, or you can join a label and get 97% of the record revenue. But the problem with that argument is that if you hook up with the label, you aren't going to get to access that 97%. The label is getting that 97%. That's their money. That's money they are earning by exploiting your music, by exploiting your creativity. What you are getting of that 97% is a very, 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 very tiny royalty, which could very well in many cases end up being zero dollars. And to know why, you have to understand how record deals work. And you know, we talk about this in the Break the Business book. We've talked about it in a few episodes of the podcast, but you need to get a real appreciation for how artists get paid out of record deals because once you realize that, you'll realize that that 97% group, you're not getting much of that 97%. Whereas the, when you're in the unsigned artist group, that's your money. It doesn't have to pass through a label's prism first before you get it. So that's your money versus earning money for somebody else. Because the way record deals work is you get a very tiny royalty for every sale that's made. And that tiny royalty is then reduced even further by a bunch of deductions. They'll deduct for the packaging on the album. They deduct for percentage of your sales where they're only going to pay you for 85 or 90% of the uh, units you sell. Why? Because they're a label and they're jerks and they have all the leverage and they don't want to give you a good deal. And when you add in all those deductions and you tack it onto a low royalty, most artists are lucky to make less than 10% of the money that comes in. But really, sometimes it's even zero because here's why. Because most record deals will state that before you as an artist make any money from your record deal, your royalties have to pay off all of the money that the label spent making your album. So all the money that's spent on recording the album, paying independent marketing companies, uh, all the related kind of ancillary expenses, all those things basically are a loan to you, the artist, that you have to pay back one measly sale of a, at a time out of your royalties, not out of all the money that comes in, which would be much more fair, not out of all the revenues, but just out of your royalties. The record labels are just banks, and you, the artist, you, the signed artist, are its debtor, and you have to pay the debt off one tiny little measly royalty sale at a time before you see any money out of that deal. So when you join team 97% of recording revenues, are you going to get anything close to that 97%? Heck no. For many artists, you get nothing. So better, you're better off being in that other group where you get to collect the last dollar, where you get to be the record label for yourself and earn money that really belongs to you. All the more reason to stay on team unsigned artist. Here's the other reason why the 97% argument versus 3% argument is nonsense. Because it ignores the fact that unsigned artists don't really make all their money from rec recording revenue. They make it from so many other revenue streams other than recording revenues. You unsigned artists, you're making money from touring. You're making money from merchandising. You're making money from crowdfunding, licensing, non-music content, uh, top lining, live streaming, so many other words that have that are awesome and have ing at the end. You're making your money from all those different revenue streams as this music industry continues to evolve. 
less and less of your income is going to come from selling your recordings directly. That's not the way the industry is going. The industry is going towards this other stuff, the live streaming, touring, merchandising, licensing, top lining, all that stuff. And so I would surmise that one of the reasons why unsigned artists are only making up 2.7% of global recording sales is not because unsigned artists are in any kind of trouble. They're doing better than they ever have. Look at those, look at the growth rates. It is because indie artists like you are embracing a more diverse array of revenue streams than you ever have before. It is critical in this new music industry for you indie artists to be great with a bunch of different revenue streams. You guys are drifting away from the recorded music business because the recorded music business is failing you. But these other platforms are doing great things for you. So the future of the music business is making sure you can effectively monetize all the great revenue streams that are available to you. But here's the issue. If you sign to a record label, you lose those revenue streams because most record deals have what are called 360 provisions, where not only when you work with a record label do you get a very low royalty rate on your recordings, but the record label is also going to take a huge chunk of all those other non-record resources, as, as much as 30% or more in many record deals. The label is going to want 30% off the top of your touring, of your live streaming, of your merchandising, of your crowdfunding, all that stuff. The label gets a huge cut. And so when the label takes 30%, then you got to pay your manager and you got to pay your lawyer and you got to pay your business manager and all those people take their cuts and then you pay taxes on everything. By the time it's left, you don't have enough to make a living because the label is taking too much off the top. The new music industry model doesn't work if you have to pay a label money that they don't deserve. There's not enough money to go around to pay a bunch of people who aren't earning it. You got to be the boss. You got to be able to collect the lion's share of the income. And that's why you got to stay indie. Don't let these, don't let these crazy statistics be misinterpreted on you. Let's return back to Mark Mulligan's claim that this media research study shows that there's no reason for indie artists to remain without a label. Is that true? No, just the opposite. What this data shows is that unsigned artists are growing in power. They are growing at a much faster rate than the labels, three times as fast as the labels. And for artists like you to continue to grow and be successful... You have to have full control over every single one of your revenue streams, including record revenues, but also touring and merchandising and live streaming and crowdfunding, all that stuff. And only one path lets you do that. And it is the path where you get to be your own boss and take full control of your music career, being an indie artist entrepreneur. Bree Noble coming up next. Keep listening to the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time, my new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support.
Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She is a music business coach and the creator of Women of Substance Radio, the Female Entrepreneur Musician podcast, and the Female Musician Academy. From May 1st to 10th, she will be hosting the Profitable Musician Summit, an online music industry conference for musician entrepreneurs featuring a ton of industry experts, including former podcast guests Ariel Hyatt, D. Grant Smith, Steve Palferman, Cassandra Kubinski, and many more. You can find out more about the event by visiting www.profitablemusiciansummit.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are happy to welcome back Bree Noble to the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Bree, good to talk to you again. Thank you. It is so exciting to be back here. It's it's been a year and it's been too long. Oh God, a year? What? That's that's my <laughs> fault. I feel terrible about that. You know, I'd like to be able to you know spew some lie about me losing your number or something like that. But no, this is on me. You you there does there need not be this much time between Bree Noble <laughs> conversations on this podcast. But I like to think one of the reasons why we haven't had you on in so long. It's just because you're so damn busy. You host multiple podcasts. You have a music industry mentoring practice. And now you're doing this Profitable Musician Summit in which you've basically booked every guest I've had on this podcast to do seminars for artists. How do you do all this? When do you sleep? Uh, I get a lot of people asking me that question. Actually, I am an extremely early riser, which helps because I get about four hours worth of work done in the morning before m- most of the people in my house get up. So that works a lot in my favor because I do have a lot of other things going on with family and, you know, commitments to students and all that stuff. So I need that like focus time. So it's kind of like what the Marines say, how they get more done before nine o'clock than most oh, people yeah. do all day. That's you. Um, That's me. Cause I got to tell you, I have a podcast and my one podcast, my one podcast with my music practice is all I have time for, and then some. And you do like forty, so I'm I'm not quite sure where you find the time. But everything you do is such quality stuff. Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, Female Musician Academy, Women of Substance Radio. You're empowering women of music, and we love it. But I'd love to turn our focus to what you got going on now because this looks cool. The Profitable Musician Summit coming up May first to tenth, an online conference, which I love because you know travel is always tough for musicians. So. What are you trying to do with this conference? What are you hoping that musician entrepreneurs are going to get out of it? Well, I'm really excited about this. When I came up with the idea, my idea was to bring in as many different streams of income that musicians can use to make money as possible. Because, you know, for myself, when I was a touring musician and a lot of the people that I work with, I know that we can't just make money from one stream of income. Like we need to bring in a bunch of different ways to make money, whether it's live shows or online sales or, um, you know, Patreon or, or, uh, crowdfunding, you know, music licensing, home studio work. Like there's so many things that we do teaching students. And I wanted to uncover as many as I could come up with and as many as I could find the perfect guest for to talk about, so that musicians could really like put all these together into something that they could call a full-time sustainable career if that's what they wanted. Or maybe they're a part-time passion project musician that just wants to be able to finance it so they're not spending a ton of their own money and sinking that into their projects that they want to do. So that was the, the goal with it. And I wanted to do it really well. So I first went out and asked one of my friends that's one of your former guests, Steve Paul Freeman, 
Love you em. know, he had put on a huge summit in 2016 that I was a part of that was just like the gold standard, in my opinion, called the Music Launch Summit. And so I went and, you know, asked him his advice on all this stuff. And a day after I asked his advice, he's like, you know what? Would you be interested in having a partner with this? Because I'm excited about this and I'm not ready to do my own summit yet. And I think it would just be really fun to be involved. So he's kind of the the backstage partner of this. He's done a lot of the the back end technical work and, and copywriting and you know things like that that where I've gotten the chance to just get in front of the mic and do interviews all day all day. And so it's it's been a really great partnership and I just knew that he would help me make this at you know the top level that it could possibly be and so I've been you know so excited about how it's come out so far. Uh, as well you should be. I love just the whole vibe of this because what your summit does is it acknowledges the fact that in this music industry there are more ways than ever to make a buck and one of the things that you noted is it's more important than ever for musicians to find all those different ways because you can't just put all your eggs in one basket anymore the way you used to. So I want to talk about these kind of diverse revenue streams of all these guests that you're going to have at this summit that are going to talk about all these interesting issues. I'm sure you've learned of some pretty interesting and unusual ways for musicians to create income for themselves. Can you give us an example of uh, one of the more eclectic ways that a musician revenue stream might look like? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think, some of the really cool niche ways that we talk about are like writing custom songs for people. If you're a songwriter, maybe something that musicians hadn't thought of um, ways that you can use your home studio equipment that you maybe got just to record yourself to actually be doing work for other people, like session work from home and maybe even bring some other people into your little home studio and charge them to record. I mean, these are kind of things that, you may already have available to you that you hadn't have thought of including, you know, maybe you've worked a lot on your voice and you hadn't have thought of, Oh, I could maybe do some voiceover work, you know, some, some non singing kind of voice work. And so we have an expert talking about that as well. And another cool thing is for any people that are already teaching students, maybe you hadn't quite figured out how you could do this virtually. We have someone talking about teaching lessons virtually. And so these are just kind of the really cool things that we uncovered as far as like live performances. We talked to everyone from people that are doing corporate events to like keynote concerts for corporations to um, just some really niche kind of events, private parties. I was just really trying to to like just explore every corner that maybe hadn't been talked about before. And then, of course, we're talking about the big ones like streaming audio and, um, you know, sales online and touring and things like that. Like we don't ignore the the big stuff, but we're also kind of trying to uncover all the little small portions of our income that we haven't like mined yet. So. Do you find that a lot of your speakers at this summit are going to place emphasis not just on looking out into the world for new revenue streams that you know, you might have to go out and get things for, or is it also just, as you said, revenue streams that you might already have in your home right now, and you just have to think of creative ways to create those revenue streams? Like, oh, I already have a studio. Let me do top lining work for people, or let me rent out my studio for people. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just opening people's minds to, 
hey, I already have this skill set or I already have this equipment. Why not use it for this and this? I hadn't thought of that. All right. Well, speaking of money <laughs> and with respect to this <laughs> conference, I was pretty shocked when I looked at the price tag for this conference. Uh, we've had many folks on this podcast who have done uh, different kinds of summits for musicians, and there's always a price tag, which makes sense. You know, very few things in life are free, but this conference is free. So how does that work? <laughs> well, we wanted to make sure that everybody had access to it for at least a period of time. So if you really couldn't afford to go, that you could still be able to watch it all. It's, it's all a matter of whether you have the time to watch it. We, we leave everyone open for 48 hours. So when an interview comes out and we put out about four to five per day over the 10 days, and then they have 48 hours to watch it totally free. Um, a lot of times the, the information is so good that people want to make sure to save it. And, you know, when you're watching and you're writing all these chicken scratch notes, you don't know if you're going to be able to decipher them later. So we always offer the all access pass. And that is only $97 um, for the early bird price until like the first day or so of the summit. That price will go up. So we wanted to make sure to give people that option to get the all access forever lifetime access pass, but then offer the free option as well. And if you do get the all access pass, my partner, Steve is going to be writing some amazing action plans for each, um, income stream. So that is going to be an additional value as well, as long as, as well as some like, you know, specific Q and a sessions with me and Steve and some of the other speakers. So there's definitely, some bonuses for getting the VIP all access pass, but we didn't want to leave people out if they couldn't afford that. Well, bless you. I really <laughs> appreciate what you're, you're doing for the indie artist out there. And yes, when you have all these awesome names, including folks we've had on this podcast before, like Ariel Hyatt and D Grant Smith and Steve Palferman and Cassandra Kabinsky, you know, the content's going to be good. And so you're going to want to come back to it again after you've heard it for the first time. So it, you know, it makes sense to have that kind of all access route as well. And of course, there's all that supplementary content too. But you know, you you've really done a nice job of creating something that can help all indie artists, including the ones that might be struggling financially, but also you know still finding a way that you know will make it worth your time um, in terms of you know financially. So that's all that just sounds. Terrific, terrific. And folks, again, that's the Profitable Musician Summit, uh, May 1st to 10th. You can check it out by visiting ProfitableMusicianSummit.com. Bria, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff you talked about on one of your 300 podcasts. So you have the female <laughs> entrepreneur musician, which is great. We, I love any podcast that empowers women in music. So, you know, good on you. Uh, uh, last month on the podcast, you talked about something called collaborative marketing which um, you know, is something that I've heard a lot of folks talking about lately, you know, kind of helping artists, you know, you, you working with your community to achieve your goals together through marketing. What does collaborative marketing look like in practice and what makes it so effective? Well, I'm a big fan of this because I'm a big fan of community and, you know, kind of that all boats rise with the tide kind of thing. And um, so what I want to encourage with the collaborative marketing is that similar artists and artists that might have similar audiences get together and you can do so many things in this way, you know, whether it's gig swaps or it's actually doing like a promotion together where, 
you can do like a version where you each promote each other's stuff to your own audience, or you can put your things together in kind of a bundle and promote that. Um, you could hold a contest where you're giving away like a bundle of your stuff between you and a few other artists. And then, you know, you all get exposure to those combined audiences. So I think there's, there's just a lot of ways that you could, you could even do like a, a combined Spotify playlist and all promote it. And, you know, people, when I was doing this little series on collaborative marketing, people were getting really excited about that idea of, coming up with a Spotify playlist where everybody promotes it to their audiences and it helps everyone get more streams. So there's just so many ways that you can look at that. And I just think it's so important that we look at other artists in our genre as people that can help us and that we can help and not as competition. I love that. And collaborative marketing doesn't even have to be between one musician and another, right? Musicians can work with content creators in other forms of media and kind of do collaborative marketing together. I, I remember my book, I spoke with an artist who said that she would uh, do a lot of collaborative marketing with this YouTube star who did makeup tips. And you mm -hmm. know, she would put her music in the artist's <laughs> makeup tip videos and they would do projects together. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's, there's so many ways that you can look at it. You could kind of look at it more like a, a sponsorship model where maybe you combine with a local a local company or a company that does printing or advertising and then you promote them to your audience and they do the same with you and they use your music in their advertisements and on their website. I mean, there's so many ways that you can go about it. Are there any other examples of collaborative marketing that perhaps you talked about in the podcast episode or otherwise that are really awesome examples of it? Well, one really cool thing that came up when we were talking about the Spotify playlist is then someone was talking about how they were going on tour and they were bringing a couple other opening acts with them. And she said, well, maybe I should do some of this collaborative marketing with them. You know, for example, before the tour, she could promote these artists to her audience or give away a free song from them. So when the people get to the show, they're not totally clueless about these opening artists. And then the same thing with creating like a, a tour playlist for her band and then those opening artists so they can kind of get the whole tour experience and really get familiar with the songs before they even get to the show. Oh, I like that a lot. That's yeah. really cool. You got the Spotify aspect in it. You got touring and you can cultivate a fan base for that opening act. That's so awesome. And, and, but it requires sort of a psychological shift for artists, right? Cause I imagine there are a lot of artists out there who feel like everybody that's not me in music is my competition. And it sounds like with what you're espousing here in collaborate with collaborative marketing, artists have to just shed that notion. They have to realize that we're all kind of in this together, right? Yeah. It's a hard one for artists to get over. Cause I think they feel like every gig and every little bit of money that they get, they just need to grab onto it with both fists, you know, and not let go because there's not enough out there for everyone. And I truly believe that there is, so much abundance out there. I mean, this summit is a perfect example. Like a lot of the people that are on my summit, they have similar programs to me, you know, but I don't think of them in this situation as competition because they're helping my audience with their information and they're also getting exposure. So this summit is actually a perfect example of collaborative marketing. 
Oh, and and you have certainly uh, taken collaborative marketing to the max here, getting all these fantastic names uh, at for this summit. Again, folks, it's the Profitable Musician Summit running from May 1st through May 10th. You can visit ProfitableMusicianSummit.com if you want more information. And remember, it is a free conference if you join within the first 48 hours, did you say? Oh, no, you can join it at any time, but it's just each interview is up for 48 hours. Ah, there you go. And then after that, uh, the you have the all-access option, which is very, very affordable. Uh, again, Bree, thank you so much for creating such a cool thing for indie artists and getting and thank you for all the work you did just getting all these heavy hitters together for one summit. You're welcome. I had so much fun doing the interviews, and I really appreciate you getting us in here and being able to spread the word about it. Entirely my pleasure. Bree, I promise we're not going to let as much time go by before we have you on again. But before we let you go this week, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Gosh, I mean, this seems so simple, but just don't give up. Like, I've, I've, worked with so many artists that have given up and then come back and then given up and then come back because they just can't let it go. And so if you know that that's you, like music is your passion, then don't give up the first time. Just, you know, it's, you, you've hit a stumbling block, but keep going because you know that music won't let you go. So don't let it go. Love it. That's Bree Noble, everybody. Be sure to check out the Profitable Musician Summit May 1st to 10th by visiting ProfitableMusicianSummit.com. Thank you so much, Bree. We'll see you soon. Thank you. We'll be right back on the Break the Business Podcast. Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry, available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Quick PSA, the show Brockmire is back. If you have not gotten into this show yet, you need to. If you're any kind of fan of sports or comedy or like a comedy-sports hybrid mixed together, you're going to love this show. It's called Brockmire. The first episode of the new season is now online through IFC. I make very few TV recommendations for you guys, but I'm telling you, this show is absolute genius. It is so crazy and funny and really pushes the envelope and it's so so good so that's my recommendation to you check out brock meyer it is back you're gonna love it our thanks to brie noble for joining us in the previous segment love her be sure to find out more about her online profitable musician summit coming up from may 1st to 10th by visiting www.profitablemusiciansummit.com Man, anytime she wants to come on, she is welcome here. She always dispenses such great wisdom. Before we sign off this week, I wanted to tell you guys a quick personal story. It is not music-related, but it is related to something that I'm very passionate about. And since all of you are my buddies, I want to share it with you because it makes me happy. I want to tell you guys what I was doing in Boston this past week. Remember, I, I said in the first segment, I, was in, I, came, I just came back from Boston, just landed last night, and I'm really tired, but... It was a cool trip, and I want to tell you all about it. But first, but first, before I forget, uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the Break the Business podcast on our four platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you are listening to this podcast and you want to find the right platform for you to listen to it, those are the places where you can find us, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. 
Whatever works best for you, be sure to check us out there. And while you're there, please, 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 please throw us a five-star review. Throw us some nice comments. Help us get this podcast to move up in the world. If you're thinking to yourself, man, I've listened to a few episodes. I really love the stuff that Ryan's got going on. How can I support him? That would be uh, great for me. That would mean a lot to me if you guys could just throw us some five-star reviews. I also want to hear from you as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Throw me a follow. I I follow back. I, I love having conversations on Twitter. That's the best place to find me at Ryan K-A-I-R. Like the Break the Business podcast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash break the business. If you want to reach me directly... The best place to do it is at our email, breakthebusiness at gmail.com. I read every email that gets in. I respond to all of them. The way I see it, if you take the time to reach out to me, I'm going to write you something back. And why might you want to email me? Well, you could say hi, first of all. You know, that'd be the gracious neighborly thing to do. But you can also email the podcast if you have a question for us to answer on the air if you're going about your music career and you have some question that's going on you know some tough decision you have to make or you need some tips and some advice email the podcast we'll turn it into a segment on the show and get your question answered if i don't know the answer to your question which happens sometimes you know i'm a law guy but maybe there's other aspects of your music career where i may not have the expertise you need i'd be more than happy to reach out to one of my colleagues out in the music business world somebody like Bree noble or somebody else who can get you the answer you need. So just shoot me an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com and we'll be happy to talk about your question on the show. Or if there's a topic you want us to discuss on the show, whether it's music related or pop culture related, email us and we'd be happy to uh, accommodate that request. You can also check out my book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. If you're looking for a good, solid book that's going to walk you through how to find success in the new music industry, uh, the dangers of record deals, but also talk about how you can crowdfund your music career, uh, some tips on how you can create great content, how you can promote and distribute that content. You'll find it all in the book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, available in uh, paperback, ebook, and author-narrated audiobook. Okay, here we go. This is why I was in Boston this past week and why I'm so, so darn tired. It is time for some story time. When I'm not practicing entertainment law, I work with clients in the under other industry that I am passionate about. I have two passions in my legal life. One is artists like you in the music world, and my other passion is education. I love working with clients in the education industry. I work with education companies. I work with schools. I work with colleges. I work with anybody who's in the business of educating uh, our young people and creating the next generation of awesome, brilliant people that are going to save the planet. And so I do a lot of work in that industry. And one of my education clients is a small college in South Florida called Doral College. I love this place. It is a wonderful, wonderful college with an admirable mission. And if you don't know much about Doral College, check them out. They're doing some cool stuff. I'm their general counsel. So I, I, I work with their general legal affairs. And because I love these guys so much, I also teach a class at the college on business ethics. And so I'm on their faculty too. And this past weekend, I was in Boston and I was there coaching a team of students from Doral College in a competition called the International Business Ethics Case Competition. So this is a special business ethics presentation competition. All the teams competing have to present a business ethics case from the real world to a team of judges that represent the board of directors of the company that the 
uh, students are doing the presentation about. It's, it takes a lot of research. You got to learn a lot about the company. You got to learn a lot about business ethics. It's a you, know, you got to learn about a lot about law and reading balance sheets. It it really is a tough, very research intensive competition. You got to work hard to win, and especially because the teams that compete are some of the top universities from not just the United States, but from all over the world. Oxford is there. University of Hong Kong is there. Some great, great colleges from all around the world compete at IBEC. And one of those colleges is my school, Doral College. That's the team I coach. And I was in Boston with my students, uh, with my wife as well, as she was helping me with these uh, kids. And we were coaching them up, trying to do well in this competition. And it was just a phenomenal experience. And before I tell you how my students did, I mean, you could just check Twitter and check my Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R and see how they did, but don't spoil it for yourself. Let me, let me give you a little build up. Let me tell you something about my students. They are not usual college students. You know, when you picture your normal college student, it's usually somebody from 18 to 21 paying lots of tuition, living on campus, all that stuff. But that's not Doral College's mission. Doral College has a very unique education mission. Their entire reason for existence is to provide college courses to low-income students who are of high school age. So all of my students are enrolled in this college, but they're high school age. They're age 15 or 14 to 17. Some are 18 if they're not in college yet. And the idea is that they take classes at Doral College so that they can lower the cost of a four-year college by taking some credits with us. And the col- it's an entirely tuition-free college. The student's tuition is paid for by outside donors and by a nonprofit organizations so that the students don't have to pay a dime. They get a free college education. And one of the things that we do at Doral College is intercollegiate extracurricular activities. So my high school-age college students compete against grown-ass college kids from all over the world. So my... Uh, business ethics debate team that I took to Boston, they were as young as 15 years old and as old as 17 years old, competing against a bunch of 21, 22, 23-year-olds. So they were much, much younger, uh, all of them uh, from the local South Florida area, uh, speaking English as a second language. Many of them are first generation, second generation uh, immigrants. It's a, a really cool, awesome, dynamic group of kids. It was fun, fun, fun to work with them. But you know, there's a, there's a bit of a disadvantage because they skew a little younger than their counterparts. So how did they do? Well, not too shabby. The my Doral College kids finished second place internationally at the International Business Ethics Case Competition in the 10 minute presentation division. So congratulations to my kids at Doral College. It was so great to work with them uh, to watch these kids blossom and flourish and compete against some of the top schools in the country and really do some great work there. Second place, I still can't believe it. I'm looking over at the trophy right now on my desk. I I can't stop smiling despite the fact that I am exhausted because that trip was so tiring. But what this what this experience shows you is that when you set high expectations for kids, they can do amazing things. When you support public school students, they can do amazing things. And you know, when when you when you give them an opportunity, and you give them an opportunity to do their best and work hard, they can surprise you. And um, I hope my kids inspire you in your own music career. You know, if these kids can do what they do, there's no limit to what you guys can do in your music work. Um, it is an honor to work 
with those kids, just as it's an honor to work with all of you to help you achieve your dreams. So hopefully that story inspired you guys a little bit as you go into your week. And I will see you guys next week. Our thanks to Breen Noble for joining us. And my thanks to all of you as always. Keep listening to the Break the Business Podcast. See you soon.